This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Yo, Mr. Adam X here. You're listening to the Pursuit Podcast on the Out of Collective. I've got a two-parter today. Normally, I don't do two-part episodes, but we went two and a half hours. I'm not going to put you through that in one session. I'm going to dangle a little carrot for you. Uh, My guest this week, Tyler Pierce, a.k.a. the Vegan Cyclist. He's a professional bike racer. He lives, trains, races on a 100% plant-based diet. He doesn't consider him, well, he debates on what he calls himself, whether he's a professional athlete, but at the core, at the heart, at the, at the, you know, the true center of it all, he's a content creator with over 200,000 followers, subscribers on YouTube. Uh, he is the co-founder of The Impossible Route, which holy shit if you haven't watched any of those you're missing out but again two and a half hours i chatted with tyler so great conversation broke it off in two parts this is part one Uh, we're gonna get right into it and then next week we'll drop part two Uh, tyler yeah tyler's my name um and so i mean it's such a weird thing because like some people have brands and and personas that aren't attached to them right? Uh, Liver King, Brian Johnson, right? Those are two totally different people. Okay. Uh, I'm not that way. Like I'm not Tyler Pierce is one way. And then the vegan cyclist is another way. Um, I, I am both people. And so I I'm very like connected to that, you know? And so whatever people, if people talk shit or like disagree, um, And they're like, oh, this guy's annoying. Like he says, bro, too much. Well, it's like, that's not a persona. That's just me. You know, I can't change it. It'd be like someone saying like, dude, your face is ugly. It's like, cool. I can't change my face, you know? Um, <laughs> and so, but I, to me, I don't look in the mirror and go, what's up, vegan? You know, uh, I, I'm Tyler, you know, my family, I'm, I'm Tyler to my family. So, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, it is interesting. Cause it's, it's like a wrestler, right? Like I assume, and I have no idea, but like, I assume John Cena's name isn't John Cena and maybe he's one of the few who is, but most wrestlers change their name, but they just go by whatever their name is. And well, that's, I mean, it's actually really weird when you dive into like Hollywood and you see how many people that that's not their name. And then you're like, well, so how much does a name contribute to success? Right. I mean, like Nicolas Cage is not, that's not his name, but it's a, it's kind of a cool name. Right. Oh, it's the best. So, (laughs) so like, uh, maybe, maybe we should all try to like choose our own names, you know, uh, if we want better success. But like, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. Like, again, I, it's, it's, it's me. It's, it's, uh, and at the time when I started YouTube, like, I don't want to say I'm like an OG YouTuber, but I definitely been on the platform for a long time. And I sort of came from an era of like screen names or usernames are not your real name. Right. Like when you were on AOL, (laughs) uh, you know, like that, you didn't put in your real name. Like it was skater boy 69 or some dumb thing. Uh, and so that's when I was like, I'm going to name my channel. I never once thought, Tyler Pierce would be the name of the channel, but that was a mistake because you see 
almost every really successful person, it's just their it's just their name for the most part. I mean, I guess you could say like Mr. Beast, you know, but but like right. There's, also there's power there, in your there's, name. Well, there's there's the ability to pivot. And so um, there's this book, uh, Start With Why. Uh, and it's like, what, like if you're going to make a decision, a business decision, a personal decision, like why? Like what what is your why? And, uh, and in this, they were using a lot of examples of like huge companies that just flopped. Like, you know, uh, you could look at Blockbuster or like they were looking at the, the train uh, industry. Um, and whatever it was that we, it was like the train company. Okay. Well, they went out of business, even though at one point everyone's using trains, cause that's all that you can do. But if they were a transportation company, they would be able to pivot, but they were locked in just like say blockbusters more, you know, irrelevant. They are a, a brick and mortar. You come and you rent physical. So they never pivoted. You know what I mean? And so if you're just like an entertainer, then I could go in any direction, right? And the vegan cyclist thing really it double pigeonholes me of, <laughs> you know, plant-based and bikes. Like if I wanted to make a video, I don't know, about how the sand in the Sahara was created, <laughs> like, you know, like people would be like, what, what is this? You know what I mean? What is going on here? Um, and man, I really... I watch all this business stuff. Uh, I'm really interested in business and branding. And and then you get these two camps of like, do everything, be broad, or get super niche, you know, and command your niche. Um, and I think that I've, I've done a good job in that respect. And, and like cycling wise, it's so strange. I walk around town, no one gives a shit about me. I go to an event, I go to Unbound, your boy's got a line of people <laughs> trying to take a picture with me. And it's like, it's so insane because I'm coming from a small town of 500 people where I legitimately interact with black bears more than I do people. Like that's, that's not a hyperbole. Like I have a black bear on my patio every day. I don't have other people on my patio every day. So when I go to these events and I get <clears throat> these people, it's so weird to me because I'm like, why do you, and maybe this comes from like a, like, I'm not very confident, but like, why, why do you care about me? Right? Like, well, I don't understand why you're so stoked to see me. Uh, and so then it's like, it's this, I kind of have to shift my view around a little bit because I don't feel that way. I don't feel like a celebrity or I don't feel like, oh, I'm going to come floating into this event and everyone's going to love me. Like, I'm still just a regular guy that's just coming to an event to do the thing I came there to do. Um, and so then it's like, it trips me out because the amount of people that give me these stories about how, you know, an impossible route, like changed their life. They lost all this weight, you know, like this is how they bond with their family. Like all these amazing stories of people honestly doing better things with their life because of the content I put on social media is, is like the greatest feeling ever. Like that is like true, uh, purpose or fulfillment is to on a, in an industry, social media is all fake and bullshit. And most of the time it, it, it creates chaos or negative feelings for me to be spreading true inspiration. It, it, it dude, it's just wild. Yeah. It's also weird just being an inspiration. 
not saying I can truly relate to that, but years ago I had a, a little short YouTube series that came out and same type of thing. People are like, Hey, I quit my job and I started a business or I started. And you're like, don't make life decisions based off me, dude. Like, please. Like, but it's really, you think about what you put on the internet and it's, it's your internet persona, but it's also you, which is why it's successful because you're not faking. I think people see through a lot of the bullshit now specifically. Um, but it's weird just being an inspiration because you are you. You're Tyler. You're the husband. You're the dad. You're like, you're sounds like you're kind of an introvert by choice. But then I, I mean, it, can... it, it's I, I, yeah, I, I would say I'm more like a a lone wolf. Um, it, it, like, I don't know if you ever played video games where it's like uh, MMO or like RPG, like um and you create a class of character okay like i'm all i i just want to be like a solo assassin like you know <laughs> that like that like floats off in the bushes and doesn't interact with storylines like i don't want a companion you know i don't want to be a part of a guild you know it's like gets it kind of nerdy but like i just i just want to be able to move free whenever i want to and there's there's a lot of strength in having like a solid team and and you know um, having a group, but then those decisions are very slow, uh, and they have to run through a lot of people. And, um, it's just not how I work. Well, I just, I just like, if I have an idea and I have a, a thing I want to do, or I have a direction I want to go, I want to do it right now because that to me, it's like, uh, inspiration is like a fog it's and it, you know, when it's foggy, but you can't harness it. You can't put fog into a cup and take it with you you know it's like really hard to know when it's going to come in if that makes any sense and i think so, it makes like, sense. i just i just want to be able to do what i want to do right away and so then that kind of like that me being just independent um but it has really uh i think held me back in a lot of ways like again talking about business you know dude mr beast i've listened to everything he's ever said and the guy's in insanely smart regardless of his content i think is dog shit like what he's doing is and how he's doing it is extremely intelligent like every he's like elon musk in, in a way that everything he does has a, a clear purpose and he was saying that it was like two years before he ever made a video him and like four guys would talk every single day about video creation and so then you know, he has this like crew of people that all have like, like-minded, you know, goals. And, um, I don't have that. I don't have someone I can turn to, you know, and, and be like, Hey, like, let's, let's do this together. And then because I live so far away, uh, you know, connections are far and, and, and few, right. Phil Guyman goes out for a ride and runs into like five CEOs. Right. Because of where he lives. You know what I mean? I can't, and they always say, right, like uh, business is done on the golf course. It's so difficult to cold email someone and be like, hey, <laughs> you know, uh, so. Yeah, no, I I mean, 100%. It's I live in Buffalo, New York. Like I'm not. So like for me in media to go and 
see you in person and have these conversations. Like, luckily I can use Instagram, make these connections, but like I fly to sea otter and I try to shake and talk to as many people's hands as I can. But those people also have a job to do that weekend. So it's like, it's uh, business isn't getting done on my end there. It's good to see them and create the FaceTime, but like, we're not on the golf course shooting the shit. Like racers are there to race. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Sea, sea Otter is, is, is not the place to do business. Like everyone is talking to a thousand people and you For know, sure. and then it's all about like, Hey, when we get back, let's connect a hundred percent. And then you just have a stack of like a hundred business cards and you're like, I can't remember what this was for, you know? And, uh, um, for you sure. Know, but, for me, yeah. for us, when we go, it's more just like, it's the kickoff for, for bike really. And it's just hopefully putting faces to all those connections that we've made throughout the year. That's why we go. That's why we show up and we enjoy it. It is a fun weekend. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it is it is it is pretty cool but man they uh they they charge again talking about business you can't charge vendors and the spectators and the racers oh they can you know what i mean and they do <laughs> yeah but that's not that's not how that works you know and so then what happens is the expo is full of only industry people right because there's so few people that are like well, I want to go and cruise around. Okay. 50 bucks for this band. And you're like, yeah, but what? Like I'm going to spend money with the, and then some of the brands can't even sell. Like you have to get a special permit and pay all this money. And like, I wanted to have a booth out there and it was like six grand for a booth in the very back. Like I'm gonna have to give a treasure map, you know, to, <laughs> to someone to find me. And it's like, dude, this, yeah. is, this is ridiculous. It's, I mean, it's the nature of the beast. Uh, my backstory is I worked events for 10 years, everything from Ironmans to lifetime events to color runs, marathons. So like, I understand the, the logistics that go behind it. So like, it's very expensive to put on, but also there is definitely greed involved. I mean, that's anything, right? Like we'll always, we will always have that. <laughs> You don't, you don't have to though. That, see, that's the thing is like when people are like, that's just how it is. We're all people don't do that. You know, like <laughs> we don't have to be that way, but you, everyone's just like, well, they were greedy. So I'm going to be greedy. Uh, and, and I, I hate that shit. And so like I've put on free fondos, uh, two two so far where it's a hundred percent free, you know, it's, um, I, I eat it, you know, quite a bit financially, but it's like this stoke level is so high and it's what I wanted to do. I want, I want this to be a part of the community. Uh, so let's just have it be this way and I'll just figure it out later. Um, and, and every, like I did cycling camps in Yosemite for four years and I literally just ran the numbers and was like, what's the lowest amount that I can do, right? Like I, I want to charge as little as possible and then, that's what I put out there. And it's like, it's really cool because then uh, the people you get are the people you want to hang out with. Like if someone's paying five grand for a weekend to ride their bike, 
<laughs> that's not really the kind of person you want to hang out with, right? Like they're going to be very bougie. Everything is not going to be up to their stand because they're paying a lot, right? But if, if someone comes and pays $1,000 and all their food is covered and we ride around Yosemite for six days, they're stoked, like no matter what is going on. And so then the stress levels are like really low. And, and yeah, you don't come out uh, like a baller, but the what did you do with the world? Like this gets super hippie, but like, what did you do with the world today? Like, did you make it a better place? Like, and I feel like almost all my decisions are based on how is this going to make people better or the world better and not me and my pocketbook better. So then when I see other events going the opposite direction, I'm just like, I don't understand how you can make these decisions and then look in the mirror. But I, I also, I don't, you know, I don't have hella employees. So like Lifetime, you know, what's their payroll per month? So oh, insane. When, yeah, when they go to Unbound, they're like, okay, well, if we don't make 750 grand, we're going to lose money. And then, and then the swing is so, like, if you lost 100 grand, like who's, who's coming out of that, <laughs> right? right? So I, I, I mean, I get and I understand that sometimes like you have to do certain things, but um I just wish that people were like, let's just do something different. Let's let's make better decisions. But that's just me. Yeah, that's a – I hope someday I'm in a situation that I can, you know, offer substantial free events or, you know, break-even events. But, you know, I think the hard part is just surviving. And I think – it is different though. Like when these people get so greedy and they have so much money, it's like, you know, I think if I had all that money, I would just give people free stuff and do, th- but I don't have that money. So I don't know. I don't know what it's like to have the money. I don't know what it's like to have to give away that money. I don't sympathize with them. I would think it should be easy, but I don't know. I yeah, have no idea. I mean, like when you get to a huge scale, like the the cost of things gets wild, right? And so then it's it's so easy to like flick. It is I don't know if you watched this, but there was a there's a movie about BlackBerry. Um, I it's have super not. good. Okay, it's super super. I don't know if you remember BlackBerry, the device. I had a BlackBerry. Uh, okay, so it's the it's the whole rise and fall of BlackBerry, and it's not a documentary, but it's like uh, you know, it's like a it's a movie but it's so it's done really well and it was just like how this guy's flying private jets he's like throwing around so much money and it, and then they had a uh, palm pilot was going to buy them out and it just like all everyone would have been millionaires set for life like go hang out on a beach but this one like main ceo was like i want more than money i want power I want to dominate other humans and then ended up like with almost nothing. And, uh, it's like, dude, how much fucking money do you need? You know, like when you're, when you're set, when you're sitting with a position, like what, what is that drive like? And I don't have that. Maybe that's why I'm not a very good businessman, but like, I don't care to crush other businesses. Like I just, (laughs) you know, and I think because, my family is so good uh, that I'm totally content. Like as long as the mortgage is paid and like the cars are paid and like, well, as soon as like my, my needs are met, I would much rather just sit on the couch and hang with the fam 
And so then I, I get very lazy and I just sort of coast that runway until it's like, my wife's like, Hey, fuck face, you need to make some money. And it's like, okay. So then, you know, <laughs> now I got to get going. And, and then I try to stir up some, you know, projects that, that I think is cool, but it's just all about like, to me, time and experience over money. hundred um, percent. Yeah. I, I always think of, uh, what's that office space? Have you seen office space? Oh yeah. It's like, what would you do with a million bucks? He's like, nothing. I wouldn't do anything at all. And I'm like, the other guy says two chicks at the same time, which is yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, just yeah. like, I wouldn't do a thing. I would exist. And he like goes into like this rant and it's like, I feel that. Like I would do things, but I wouldn't. It is, in, the BlackBerry thing is interesting in the fact of like, what could you want? I don't want any of that. I want my bills paid and like, I want to live comfortably by working the least amount of as possible. Well, so the, the uh, four hour work week uh, is a, is another book that's like really kind of shaped how I look at everything. But, you know, you could work uh, 80 hours a week driving a Ferrari, living in a mansion on the beach. You got no time to enjoy that shit. Right. And then the more this is what's really wild is the more expensive stuff you get, the more expensive your lifestyle is. And so, uh, I, I, I'm making a deal with Kawasaki, like legit Kawasaki, which is crazy. Uh, and, and they gave uh, my daughter a little like electric motorcycle. And so I went down to the dealership and picked it up and it was just like this totally surreal experience of Kawasaki's also going to give me and my son, uh, a 450 and a super mini in August, like just unbelievable. Ken, Ken Essex is like the, uh, the, the marketing manager and he's been following me for a few years and. Anyways, I'm a huge moto fan, so it's like crazy. Same. But also I was same. there and I was looking at a side by side, like one of the, you know, four seater, like crazy side by sides. And I was like, damn, that's sick. That'd be so awesome. But then I started doing all the like math of like, what would it actually cost me to have this as a toy that I use three or four times a year? And it's like, well, it's $40,000 plus your insurance, plus your parts, plus now I need a trailer. Now I need a place to park it, you know? And it's like, you need a tow I, I vehicle. Gotta make, yeah. I got to make like an extra hundred grand a year just to have a side by side. Right. Or like if I had a boat, right. Like it's just all these things where the more shit you bring into your life, the, the more you have to make all this money just to sustain that lifestyle. And so, you know, if, if you can find this equilibrium where you can live really amazing without having all of this risk uh right so like we we live on the lake we don't own a boat because that's stupid um so we just rent a boat from the the you know the millers three or four times a year so what's it like it costs us 1200 bucks a year to use a boat just about as many times as if we had owned it you know what i mean and then like if something happens to the boat, like one time the motor just blew up and I just coast back to the dock and I'm like, peace, <laughs> you know, right. like your problem. Uh, so, you know, like we get to live like right at that, like insane freedom level for the craziest low amount of, of cash, like per year. Uh, but if you just tried to like bump it just a little bit, then now all of a sudden, you, you know, you, 
you just got to work too much. And I don't, I don't really want to work. That's why I'm doing this. Right. Like I, I was like, well, I don't really want to work in an office. So how, what can I do to, 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 to make my life the way I want? Um, I don't want my, my wife, this gets a little sexist sometimes, but like, I don't want her to work. I want her to focus on the kids. Now that is what she wants to do. If she wanted to work, if she wanted to have a career, I'd support her. But my wife, from the second I met her when she was 18, she's like, I want to be a stay at home mom. That's what I'm good at. And she's the best, but I don't want to take that away from her and then be like, well, you got to go work so we can have toys so that we see the kids on the weekend. You know, like, yeah. How can I make it to where she can, she can do what she wants to do and, and, uh, be, you know, stay at home. So like, uh, and then with, as our economy has gone in one direction, like it's very difficult to live off one single income. Um, you know, so, but it's, it's been amazing. I mean, like what she's been able to do with the kids and how our family has just been so stuck together in such an amazing way. And I'm not trying to like be social media hype and be like, my life's amazing. I mean, everyone's got like issues and stuff, but the family side is something that you can't really put a, a metric on, you know, like, uh, okay. Success in social media is views, engagement. Um, you know, success on the bike is, is watt per kilo, you know, or results. I don't have a way to show you that my relationship with my wife after 20 years is the best it's ever been. I don't have a way to show you that my daughter truly adores me you know, and that my, that my son and I, um, are closer than we've ever been. And like, I don't really put that out there, but I don't really know how I would. And then I almost feel like it would be, it would destroy the family if I tried to quantify it. Right. Like, do you give your, do you give your wife points? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, my, my wife's at 72 points for the day. She's crushing, you know, like, no. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just a feeling. It's a vibe you have with the whole, the whole family. And, and man, I've just found such my lane. We haven't really talked about bikes at all, but that's okay. Like, you a, know, we got time. Like, that's the beautiful, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. beautiful thing. And I think people, you know, I think listeners know you on bikes and like, we're obviously going to talk about bikes, but I always, that's why I enjoy it. That's why I just let you go. Cause it's fun yeah, yeah. to hear like, and that's why I, that's the first question I ask, like, who's Tyler? Cause that like, you just, I mean, we chat for 20 minutes here and like, that's who Tyler is. Like, he's a guy who enjoys the shit out of life, who loves his family, loves his kids and his wife, doesn't want to work every day. Not because he's lazy, but because he, but because he values his time and being outdoors and like, that's who Tyler is. So fuck bikes like, like yeah, yeah. i'm fine with that um, yeah i mean i mean bikes bikes have been an amazing tool for me but um i mean it's it's just whatever tool you you're gonna find to help your life and you know if that's golf if that's painting whatever if it's knitting uh you know you find something that that allows you to be a better version of yourself and i think for me what's so amazing about cycling is it taps into this like primal um this pr this primal feeling of that i go out i have an adventure by myself i'm not chasing gazelles and you know or whatever but like i am sort of tapping into this core masculine thing of just like going out and then i come home 
to my wife and my kids and a, and a, you know, a meal and like a warm house. And it's like, and then she hasn't had to deal with me all day. So she's like stoked to see me and I'm stoked to see her. So then we like, it just feels so natural, even though it's kind of seems a little goofy that I'm in like spandex, you know, out in the middle of the woods, <laughs> but um, it's just been, it's just been amazing. And then the places that bikes can take you and the way that you experience uh, land it is so unique, right? If you drive through, cause I, I live right near Yosemite and right now Yosemite because of the snowpack, uh, it's the most beautiful it's been in like recorded history. Every waterfall is peaked out and it's just unbelievable. And so then the traffic there is, is insane. Um, on Memorial day, I believe it, it was like eight hour, an eight hour wait to get into the park. And I just rode my bike on a gravel road parallel to all this traffic. And dude, I was just like, so happy, like big old smile. And I'm just blazing by everyone. And I, it was like, this is crazy because these people are trying to have this experience and you know, I didn't even pay. I have a park pass, but I didn't have to pay. Cause like the gravel road takes you around the gate. Uh, and I'm just vibing in Yosemite <laughs> and these people are stuck in their car for hours and hours and hours and they can't even park anywhere. And then what is tunnel view through your window? It's basically a movie, you know, uh, but when you're riding and you're feeling the, 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 the incline, like the gradient, the change of temperature, like maybe there's a patch of wildflowers and you smell that and you're like, oh, that's lupine, you know, like it's so, it's so amazing. This whole like 4d experience that when you get to tunnel view and you've been riding for two, three hours and you're tired and it's like that experience that's like what life is about it's like you've made it to this destination and man the 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 euphoria you feel and so when people like in cars or have never ridden they don't see that they just go this asshole's in my way <laughs> you know uh but like man there's so much going on with this experience in this person that if you could just relate you know it'd be so different it's funny that people think that too because i would say I don't know this stat. I'm going to make it up. But like 98% of Americans have ridden a bike. So like they should know what that experience feels like. Even like I remember the first time I ever rode a bike. I don't know why I remember it, but like I still without training wheels. Like I remember the time I got like I was gone. My parents have a hill. I started at the top. I got going. I didn't want to stop because I didn't really have it figured out yet, you know, and I rode right into a pine tree, like after like going like all like I maxed out my hill, you know, I went all the way down yeah. I hit a, I went into a pine tree, but like, I will never forget that experience, but it is funny when you get in a car, even this morning, this guy was on a damn e-bike taking up a lane on like a two way highway. And I was like, you are going to give. He's doing like 19 and a half miles an hour on his fat tire e-bike, the fastest it could go. But I was like, I'm with you, but this is why people hate you. <laughs> like, totally. Like, no, I mean, it, it, and it's weird because like, um, it's almost like Peter Pan, where if you can stay in Neverland, 
which I feel like is bikes, right? It's like, it's, it's Neverland. You, you connect with this childhood experience of riding a bike. But as soon as we get a car and we get a little older and then it's like, oh, I got to be an adult. And then, then you don't look at a bike that way anymore. And you forget, you forget what that feeling's like. But that is such a, it's so weird because uh, we have a clothing company called Ride Bikes. And one of the, like the mission statements sort of is like, dude, everyone knows what it feels like to ride a bike. Regardless of if you're trying to be in the Tour de France or if you just get, you know, go down the block to check the mail. There's a feeling of freedom uh, that a bike that a bike is able to give, but you know it is it is. I've really thought a lot about this, like why cycling is this like subdivision of humanity, and I, and if you do anything else, if you play tennis or if you hike or whatever, uh, you don't do it on the roads that people are driving on. You know what I mean? <laughs> good like, point. Good point. N- n- no one talks shit on chefs for cooking, but you would if they were holding up a red light because they're cooking an omelet. Right. Like, bro, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like this is not the place to to cook your omelet. You know, but that's where that that is unfortunately how, you know, cycling is. It's like it's like melded into uh, you know, a side-by-side experience with people who aren't choosing to do this right and so um i think that's where gravel has uh has been really good um because you can get away from that for the most part i mean you still sometimes have to ride the road to get to a gravel road but um a lot of my rides i try to i try to stick to you know back roads or or gravel roads and you know and i don't want to see a car you know i I don't want to hold up anyone. And I also don't want people buzzing by me. That's why when people are like, oh, LA's got so much great riding and there's all these iconic climbs, but dude, you're getting passed by a car like every 10 seconds. And, and like the amount of cortisol and like stress that that's like putting out, you know, who cares what the view is like if you get up there and there's a parking lot full of tourists, you know, uh, that were trying to kill you on the way up. And so like, uh, if you can get out on a gravel road and go somewhere where there is no one, or there's just some lonely dude in a Jeep back there, you know, then, then that experience is totally different. Um, yesterday we did this huge ride. We did 10,000 feet of climbing and 47 miles. And we got back into this like wilderness and there's, there was like a Toyota club that were like rock crawling. And those are two totally different (laughs) industries, right? But we, me and the other guy I was riding with, you know, we now sort of sh- are sharing this experience with them because they're like, how dope is this place? And it's like, yeah, it's super dope. And they're like crawling around and, and enjoying nature. And so then they had like pineapple juice and they gave me a pineapple juice. And I was like, all stoked on that. And like, we, as two totally different groups came together and like appreciated that we were experiencing, a, you know, nature together. Uh, and, and, yeah, that's, I think that's really cool when you can get out there, out into the places that are less traveled. Um, people just get way nicer. Yeah, it's also an interesting group that you ran into because they, you know what it took to get there. But they do too. Totally different, yeah. but like they know how much work they put into the trucks and like how much manipulating of their steering wheel it took. Like it was, it was a challenge for them to get to the top. And I think that is where you really intersect 
is that like, you know, a car driving down a road, I mean, half of them drive themselves now. There's no challenge of getting to Walmart or Lowe's. Like it just exists. Like you just get there. Like you just mindlessly get there. Yeah. And you're so right because there's a, a, a major highway that sort of parallels the roads we took. Um, and it climbs about 5,000 feet, but people are doing 75 miles an hour on that. And right. so then they don't really feel how hard it was to go up this 5,000 foot mountain, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, these, these Toyota guys, they weren't on that road, you know, they, they trailered out their, their trucks and then crawled up granite mountains, right? you know? And so then, yeah, it was like, and then they're all stoked that they're at the top and we're stoked we're at the top. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I wish that was like how it was all the time, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, it sucks. The world's just busy. Like they're just, they don't give themselves time to enjoy things anymore. And I think when you are on a bike, you're forced, not forced, but you have to enjoy things because one, you have to, if you, if you have a mission, we're going to do 10,000 K in you know, 44 miles, like you have an idea of how much time that's going to take. So you allot yourself that time and you know how much work it's going to take. And then it all kind of makes sense. But when we just pack things in a day and like, we are fortunate where we have the time to do these things. But like when you're someone who is just busy all the time, like all my friends who are just slammed all the time and they have like an hour to go biking, they don't enjoy it. Like they do one lap with us and then they ditch because they're, they have somewhere else to go. Yeah. You definitely, you definitely can't put a time, uh, frame on it. And I, and I've actually told a lot of people this, like, you know, whenever people are going to go for their biggest ride, they're like, I'm going to try to do a hundred miles for the first time. And, and part of my advice always is like, don't worry about the time you will get there when you get there, just keep pedaling. Don't look at the time. And if you're like, oh, I want to try to do this under six hours, that adds all this stress. And then as it's getting close to say six hours and you're only at mile 45, <laughs> you know, you're like, shit, you know, I'm done. Like I, this is, this is, I put this expectation and I'm nowhere near it. But if you just go out and you're like, I'll just, I'm just going to get to the finish when I get to the finish, then everything feels so much more free. And, uh, also, you know, I was talking about this with, um, on this ride yesterday. I don't know if I like what I like more. Do I like the ride more or do I like the dinner after the ride more? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because the, the, the ride <laughs> it's amazing, but it doesn't feel good. You know, it's a type two fun, you know, uh, your, your, uh, you're not creating, I, I feel like you're banking the good feeling chemicals by raising. And I, there's definitely a science to this, like neuronephrine or whatever is like the, the bad chemical or whatever it is, but like that's building up in you, your legs hurt, your lungs hurt, you know, everything sucks. Uh, but if you can project that when I'm done with this, I'm going to earn this dinner. And so then for me, uh, okay. On Friday, my wife, she was like, I'm, I got everything to do homemade burgers, fries, and milkshakes. Vegan, but like, fuck yeah, you know? Right. Uh, and she was like, I want to do that tonight. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I can't. Uh, I, I haven't ridden today. 
And she's like, well, what the hell does that have to do with you? Like burgers and milkshakes. I'm like, well, I haven't earned it. So then like, this isn't going to taste as good if I, if I didn't ride today. So then like Saturday I go out and I hammer myself into the ground so that then when I come home, I'm just like, dude, burgers and milkshakes. Like I'm thinking about it the whole time. And then, then I can't really explain it, but like I've burned 6,000 calories uh, and I've, I've earned this feast and then I can eat it guilt-free because I'm in such a caloric deficit and man, like my body's like sore. So like, I'm like replenishing it versus someone who doesn't do any physical activity and, and they've just been eating all day long. You know, they ate McDonald's for breakfast, right? Then they had like Subway for lunch and now they're going to go out to dinner and eat a steak. And it's like, well, you know, like it is not special anymore. Like that's not a, and, and to me, food, I feel like if you can surround it with like context and make it feel special, it's, it, in, it enhances that experience like tenfold. I love that you said that. Cause I've ha- I have an injury. I have a neck injury. I'm okay. It's not a, it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. I'm not dying. I'll be back. Um, but I haven't really in the last two in the last six weeks, seven weeks, I've ridden my bike twice. And this is someone who rides five, six days a week. So like, I'm hurt. I'm out. I yeah. haven't been riding, but I haven't had pop or soda since April 1st, because that was, my, I would say May 1st. Cause that was like my last actual ride, but it's the same thing. People are like, I can't believe like all my friends, like you're not going to quit pop. Like I don't drink. So my thing is like, I have, like, I don't have a beer. I have a Coke at the end of the day or whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, no, because I'm not riding my bike. I don't, deserve a coke <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. like i haven't done anything so like yeah. you know i'm chugging seltzer like it's like it's going on a style but i i haven't had a pop and i can't believe that i haven't but that's you just put it into words of like i don't deserve one and i'm sure once i start pedaling i'll be back well to- but it, i mean but that's that is gonna make it though you like the first coke you have you're gonna be 25 miles into your first ride back and you're gonna get but now it's not like I, I'm not going to just get a plastic bottle Coke. No, I'm getting a max. I, I want the glass. I want the glass. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're going to start like, I want glass. I want to, I want to pop off lid. Like you're going to then take a minute and then like, it's going to hit your mouth and you're just going to be like, yes. You know? Oh, and it's going to be one, the best. That, that one Coke is going to hold such value as of where someone who is drinking 64 ounces all day long like what is coke to them it's not even it's not even a thing um it's not an experience and so yeah if you can kind of build those like but you need uh you need to be responsible you need to be um you know you need to be able to build those boxes around your life and say i understand the mechanism on why this coke is so awesome i'm not going to just have it 15 times in the day while i sit on the couch right you need control. You need self-discipline. Um, and if you can, then you can experience a, a much greater uh, level of happiness in your life. And so many people are like, well, what's the meaning of life? Like it's happiness. And, but th- there's different levels to it. And, and I think that your like primal level of happiness 
let's say it's a scale from one to ten, and this is just uh, eating, fucking, and <laughs> entertainment, right? Like, um, so you, you're swiping on TikTok, whatever. You know, you're eating a burger that you got off DoorDash. You are feeling a little bit of happiness. I mean, it's it's like releasing dopamine, but it is such a it's such the lowest level of experience. And then what happens is you deplete your brain. So then you're like nibbling on this dopamine stream and it's just enough to make you swipe again or to eat another potato chip. Right. And so then you get stuck as of where if you're just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go suffer for a little bit. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm not going to, you know, when I ride, I'm not on my phone. I can't be. Uh, And so then like, if you can just bank these good feelings for later, you all of a sudden go to a different scale. So one through 10 is your primal stuff, but then you you could go on to experience 80, 90, 100, but it's on a different, it's somewhere else, right? Like, uh, okay, my on this ride that I did yesterday, my wife was sort of in the area and she saw my location and so then her and my daughter drove and met me on the climb just to say hi. And like that dude set my whole day, like the, the feeling of happiness I got from just seeing my wife and my daughter, my daughter's like, Hey dad. And like, they kind of drove next to me for a minute. And but bro, I've been with my wife for 20 years. I, I she's in the warehouse. Now I see her all day, every day. <laughs> But like the fact that she kind of just sort of went out of her way to like come and say hi, dude, I was just peaked with happiness, <laughs> you know? And it's like, that's such a, it's such a, a nothing thing that means so much if you set your life up right. Yeah, no, I don't think I can, I don't have a rebuttal of that because I think I 100% agree with you. And that's ideally if we can have, if we can set our life up with that, just small we'll just call them small victories that's what matters it's not i think a lot of people in this world this 40 60 80 hour work week they always go for the grand slam like you see it on instagram on twitter or they're like 187 days till i go to paris and i'm like 108 you're you started now like you have so many days to do cool things and then you get a countdown, like three days till Paris. Great. But like, what about the in-between? So I'm always trying to just hit singles, hit a single every day, hit a double hit. And then you always get the grand slam once in a while. You have those big trips that exist, but it's, it's the daily victories, the daily single for putting it in baseball terms. I don't know why I got there, but it's just like, you don't always need the grand slam. You just need the small victories, the small, you know, the, the RBIs per se, like, and so the way I look at it is like, it's um, okay. You look back on your life and then you're going, cause time's an illusion. And how do you feel like how long your life has been depends on the amount of data points that you can look back on. And let's say that you do one vacation a year and that's it. Like if you look at it on a piece of paper and we go, whatever, 2011 to 2012, and there's one pretty good size red dot and it says Paris. Okay. I mean, that's cool. Uh, but that's the only real thing 
for that whole year. And so then if you look back on the last decade of your life, do you only have 10 data points to go like, well, then that decade's going to feel like it flew by. And, you know, I, I, I honestly, when people are like, man, this year's flown by, I don't even understand how it's already, that's not my experience. I'm like, dude, I feel like this year has lasted an eternity <laughs> because the amount of data points that I have in all sorts of different things, you know, it's just like, you look at this chart and it's just like red dots everywhere. And so then there's all these memories that fill up your perception of time. And so then I'm like, dude, this is just, this is just an insane life, right? It's, there's so much here. It's so rich. Um, but you know, I, I understand like, it's, it's hard to get there, you know? And, and uh, when people are like, oh, my life rips so hard and it's, it's, you do it too. You, you forget like how hard it was to get yourself in a situation where you can do that. And, and like, you know, um, dude, my, my career has been a roller coaster. Uh, I mean, I've, I've lost everything. I've gotten stuff back, then I've lost it again. And, um, I mean, there's, there was times where I think I just started the channel. Um, I didn't have any, really any money, it, like, like no money, like not, oh, I'm broke, but I have assets and there's $5,000 in the account. Like we don't have a bank account. There is no bank account and we have no cash in the house. And it's like, and we have a, two broke down cars in the driveway. It's like shit, you know, like I'm not, I'm not in a good spot. And so then I was working at a farmer's market, cutting like fruit up and selling fruit for 60 bucks a week, but I could take a lot of that fruit home, you know? So I have a, a uh, I can, I can compare my life now to that and be like, man, that was, that was a really rough time. And so then I feel so grateful now because I'm not having to do that. Um, but, but I will say that that time in my life almost sometimes feels when I think back on it way less stressful because I had no responsibilities, you know, um, and I didn't have things going on. And so it's like, it sort of it almost feels like a happy time in my life versus when things really started picking up with the channel and I had all sorts of stuff going on. Now you have all these responsibilities that like, well, I can't, I can't let this fail because I have people depending on me um, or whatever, right? You know, like the impossible route film series, you know, people put so much time and effort into that, those projects. And then I edit them and it's like, I'm sitting here with their hard work. You know, if our videographer put all of the, his best work and then I fuck it up by doing a shitty edit, right? That's like so much pressure. And, and, uh, and so then, you know, sometimes I like, as your life rips more, <laughs> you really have to put it in perspective um, and not like let that overwhelm you, um, you know, because then sometimes, you know, you see like millionaires that are like depressed and they like hate their life. And it's like, well, dude, why? You know what I mean? Like you have, you have everything, but it's like, you have all these responsibilities that, that just weigh you down. Yeah. I think, you know, I think the common misconception with 
athletes, I don't, do you consider yourself, maybe this is a shit question, but do you consider yourself an influencer, an athlete? Or both, you're kind of both, I would think, right? Like you're not. It, it's been, a, yeah, it's been an, an internal battle for a really long time. Like uh, I, I never considered myself an athlete. I was not a student athlete. I didn't. Never would the word athlete be associated with with me. Uh, much more of a creative, right? Um, but you're no creating. slug. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> I've I've put a lot of work to get there, you know. Um, which it's like, you know, I've been riding for almost 14 years. And then you connect with a guy who's like, oh, I got a bike yesterday. And it's like, he's got a five watt per kilo FTP. And you're like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, uh, but I, I don't, I never did consider myself as an athlete. I considered myself as a storyteller. And so not even necessarily that it had to be bikes. I, that's just what I see myself as. I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I, I tell stories. Um, but as uh, I started to increase my audience and, and get more popular, um, I wanted to tell new stories. And I thought like, well, what, what would it be like if I really put all my energy into trying to perform well? And so then over the last year, I feel like I have like shifted a little bit more towards an athlete mindset. Um, but that's not what I lead with. So like I was in Colorado at a race and I have the GoPro in my mouth. I'm changing batteries, right? I'm thinking about all the, the ways to get the shots and the guys winning the race. Well, they're not doing that. You know what I mean? Like they're just singularly focused on this, on this event. And someone said like, I don't, why, why not just try to do a good result and not film? And I was like, well, but that's not my job. My job isn't to get a good result. My job is to tell a good story. So I don't look at it as like the GoPro or the filming or whatever is a, a hinder. That's my job. And then I'm going to try to do the best I can physically after that. Yeah, I think the key, what I was getting at is it's a job. And I think everyone outside looking in is like, you know, your life's amazing. You do all these things and great. And like you do, and it is. But it's also work. Like, one, you have to train so you can do these things, time away, time away from the family. And then you have to go do these things. And while you're doing them, you have to film them and make sure that you have something to deliver at the end. It's like, it's a job. It, it, it is, but it's like, uh, you know, they say, like, if you find something you love, you never work a day in your life or whatever. And, um, man, I don't see it. I, about two years ago, I started changing the way I spoke about it. Cause like vocabulary is like a, is like a life hack, right? Honestly, if like you can associate the words you use with the things you do, it changes everything. And so before 2020, like before COVID, um, I would never associate film with work. I would say, I got to work on a, I have to make a video or whatever. And, and then uh, or I would say I have to uh, go for a ride, but then that wasn't looked at as work by anyone around me. And then I started saying, I have to go to work today, which is riding or making a video. Um, and then by just even in my head, shifting that to be like, okay, this, this is work. It made me feel way less guilty about it uh, because sometimes 
I feel really guilty or weird. Like, what am I doing here? You know, like, what is my purpose in life? I just made a, a goofy video about unbound and mud. Like, I don't know. What is this? Do? It's like kind of hard to explain, but like, I didn't make a gear to go in the, the space shuttle, you know, like I didn't do something, uh, real, right. It's like, it's like, it's just, um, it's just digital or whatever. But, uh, and so sometimes I battle with like, what, what is it that I actually do? But then again, when I meet people and the way that they, the things they tell me, it's just like, okay, like there's, there is something real here. Um, I just don't see it as work though. Like I enjoy doing, I enjoy the craft of creation. Like that is just something I really, uh, feel aligned with is like how to create, what to create, like storytelling tactics, like, um, how to piece together a, a story via video is just very, it's, it's what I like to do. It's what I want to do. If I didn't have a, a channel or not, I'd still want to be doing that. So yeah, it's, uh, it feels good. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. When you started this channel, was the intent to make it your full-time gig? No. It was just, I'm going to start no. doing it. Yeah. Uh, so I was building websites at the time and, uh, it, the website business is like, you know, you, you get a project, you work on it for a month, two months, and then it takes a while to find a new, new client or a new project. And in that time, you sort of have like downtime, but I wanted to, I wanted to fill that downtime with something creative. Like, cause it, in the creative industry, it's very, you have to stay creative. It's just like, it's just like a, a muscle, like anything else. Like if you stop creating it, it feels rusty and, and, uh, it doesn't flow well. So I started just like actually making videos of my son. Um, and, and my plan was I'm going to create a brand for my son. And when he's 16 or something i'm gonna gift him with this this brand that he won't ever have to work he'll never have to be in a cubicle he'll already have sponsorships and relationships and brand deals and like you know if i could give him like an account with a hundred thousand followers or more like the dude's like that's sick and so i really did that's what i focused on a lot was just him um and we did we grew his account quite a bit and it was it was really cool uh but then I felt like it was ruining our relationship and he was really young. And I was like, I started to go way too hard on it. Uh, we, we went out motor riding. I've told the story a bunch of times, but we went out motor riding and he was like four. And, uh, I, I had just done a brand deal to get him like a brand new Cobra, like, which this thing's a, a rocket ship. Yeah. He's never familiar. been on it. Dude, it's insane. <laughs> they too uh, fast for kids way too fast. And so then we go out and he's like scared and then so he's not riding and I'm like mad. I'm like, dude, I, you don't understand what I've just done, you know, for you. Uh, and then on the drive home, like he's mad and I'm mad. And I was like, dude, this is not, this is not the point of this. And so I, to myself, I said, I'm not going to ask him to ride motos. He has to ask me. And he did not for like almost five years. <laughs> so uh, I was like, okay, you know, I, I've been pushing them way too hard. So then when I sort of pulled back on that, I was like, well, what do I do with all these things that I've learned? 
And what do I do with my extra time? And so then I, I was like, well, I'm going to put that into to me, but I'm not, people are like, oh, dude, you're so egotistical. You want everything to be about you. Like a lot of times, like influencers per se, you know, it's, it is an ego thing. They want people to look at them and be like, wow, this guy's so cool and get all this external validation. I, that's not me. Like, I don't really want people looking at me. The Pursuit Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Rumpel, the creator of the original puffy blanket. It pairs durable 20D ripstop nylon with a DWR finish that is water stain and odor resistant. These blankets are machine washable and include the signature cape clip for hands for use for warming up, you know, days at the beach. I use it to get dressed so, you know, I'm not hanging out. And you're like, Adam, why are you trying to sell me blankets right now? It's summer. I'm telling you, these things are fantastic on the beach and they're washable. They're stain resistant. They're durable as all heck. Uh, they have beach must have bundles. They're actually on sale right now. You get a beer koozie, a towel, a blanket. You can't beat it. You really can't. Head on over to rumple.com. Use code out of 10. Save yourself 10%. Check them out. These things are for everywhere. I'm telling you, I go from the beach to the pool to my car to wearing as a cape to get dressed before mountain biking to putting it on the ground to get stand on uh, when I'm changing from my Crocs to my socks. These things are fantastic. They're made for everywhere. They're made for abuse. It's the most durable blanket I've ever owned in my entire life. And they support rad humans like me. And that makes them even cooler. Go on over, rumple.com forward slash out of 10, save yourself 10% or type it into the codes. Um, and so it was like weird to, to do this. Uh, and so I always looked at it as how can I provide value to the viewer and not just this self-hype thing? being like, look how cool I am. I'm in a cool place doing cool things. I'm so fucking cool. Like that wasn't <laughs> what I wanted to do. And so then I think it really gave me like a North star of creating value and not just like empty hype sizzle reel. Um, but yeah, never really thought it would go anywhere. Took me three years to like even get somewhere where like someone recognized me which was the coolest thing. Like I went to a race and someone was like, Hey, are you the vegan cyclist? I was like, fucking hell. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> you know, like it was like so cool. Eating have bananas. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was just, uh, yeah, it was really neat. And then, you know, we just kept going with it. And then, you know, what's so strange about this, you know, one, it sort of parallels the fact that no one spends money on marketing the way they used to. Right. If, if whatever, uh, Coca-Cola, is going to spend billion dollars on TV commercials and, uh, you know, radio ads. But now that's not really the way anymore. They spend way less money, but with influencers, but that kind of money is life changing money to influencers, right? So to like Coca-Cola or a big brand, uh, their catering bill for a commercial shoot could be a hundred grand for sure. Or they could give you 25 grand. And you create a piece of content for them and they're, they're like, wow, dude, we saved so much money. And you're like, holy smokes, like I might be able to buy a house, <laughs> right? And so uh, it, it's, it, it was really like paralleled this, this new way uh, of marketing. Um, 
And so it was like, all of a sudden it went from, I couldn't get discounts on anything. You know, everything was so expensive to then all of a sudden you're getting paid plus product. And you're like, what, how did this change so fast? Um, and then, you know, you, you just start to get more, more deals and, and things, you know, get better and better and better. Uh, but I, I will say though, that like I could be making fucking five times, six times as much as I am if I was okay, uh, selling out. And I, and I feel that the, the detriment, my, my biggest downside is that I I'm too artistic. I'm too, I want to provide value. I want to make something really long lasting. Like I I'm so tied to that content because I create it versus if you're a brand and you have an editor doing it all for you, if it, it's sort of detached and you can kind of like, well, I, if people don't like it, that's not really on me. That's like, it just is what it is. So then people can take all these brand deals on. I don't like that. I hate that. I don't want to tell you in the middle of a story, you know, I'm climbing up some mountain and I'm about to cry and it's like all this emotion. And then I'm like, I'm so glad I used my manscape to shave my balls, <laughs> you know, use code. What it's like, dude, like I can't do that. I just cannot get my, and the amount of money that I've turned down, like this is like a low key flex, but like the amount of money I've turned down just cause I just don't feel good about it is, is insane. Um, and so, I mean, I could be doing way better. Uh, there, there's a guy out of Canada, Charles. Um, I mean, he's probably got 10%, 20% of the audience I, do, I, I have, but that guy makes 10 times as much as I do. And so guy crushes me. Yeah. Uh, I wonder though, and I don't know who you're talking about. So I feel, I feel okay saying this, but is, are you here to stay? Cause you're real and you're, we'll say organic in more ways than one. Um, but like, so when someone buys a product that you stand behind and it's good because you didn't sell out, it's like, are you here to last versus the person who just takes all the money? Are they going to cash in and then, and then run? And maybe that's part of their strategy too. But I, we, I mean, we struggle with it with the podcast. Like we, you know, we just told a brand no. And it's like, that sucks. Like right. I don't like telling brands no for big amounts of money. <laughs> like it yeah, hurts. But I mean, it, and, and that's the thing though, is like, how much money are they going to pay you to own your voice for sure? You know, like you're going to rent out your voice and man, uh, either, either you're going to pay me enough to where I can wipe my tears with stacks of cash when people talk shit. Uh, or it's just not, it, I, you, you're taking my voice and like the ad reads, I, I, I get those all the time. Hey, what's your rate for a 90 second ad read in the first third of the video? And I just say, Ad reads are garbage. They are the <laughs> lowest form of marketing. And if you don't trust me to sell your product organically because I genuinely use it, then I'm out. I'm not going to just dip in and, and just spam. Um, but again, it's, it's, a, it's a battle because like I don't really have a retirement. <laughs> you know, like I don't have right. all this money stacked up. Like I don't have 
a solid future. Uh, so that that is the that is the absolute dark side of everything I've been saying about how much my life rips and and the freedom I have and all that. The the dark side is that I do not have security. There is no safety net. Um, it's a hundred percent on me that if I make bad decisions, I could ruin my family. Uh, I, I could completely lose this life in, in, in less than a month. Uh, you know? And so it's like, some people just don't want to deal with that. Right. Like that is so much pressure. And, and so, you know, there is a, a huge upside because I don't want to keep making it sound like, well, if you work in an office, like you've done it wrong. There, there is, there's absolutely an upside to that um, because you have security. And so if that makes you feel good knowing, you know, when I'm 65, when I'm 70, uh, I'm going to be good, then, then awesome. But I, I want to be filet mignon or top ramen. I, I want to be feast or famine. Um, <laughs> that's just how I'm programmed. No, I, I feel that. Also, we do ad reads on the show, and I do think they work. No, um, we're different. We're just audio, so I have to. Well, I mean, so so okay. Like uh, <laughs> podcasts are different, right? That that format is kind of built into podcasts, right? right. But my and and this is a, a thing that I've done. Yeah, this is the thing that I've done. I think wrong a bit is that my format does not pertain to an ad read. My, my format is a long form story, um, especially the impossible routes where an ad read would just feel completely out of place. Now, if I was doing daily vlogs or I was doing talking head stuff, you know, and I was just like kind of throwaway videos, then, okay, that makes more sense to, to do an ad read, but I've set myself up for failure in that respect that it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. And I've always thought about like, oh, how can I, how can I take these offers and move them into something that makes sense? Uh, that, that the audience isn't like the hell is this, you know? Um, and so if I could, if I could start a podcast or if I could do something <laughs> different or, you know, I, I kind of thought about like daily vlogging and then it, it all be about like how much money we can take from brands <laughs> and, and it sort right. of be this, like, this counter. And then it's like the audience is now rooting for you to do these ad reads, uh, you know, because it's like, oh, that's cool. He's making, he's making money. He's like open about it. Um, you know, that I, I'm, I might feel good about doing something like that. Like it, it, and it is something that I've kind of, I've also thought about, it would be so fun to do a channel where you start with $0 and you make a video every day. And the goal is to get to a million dollars. And, you know, so then you show your bank account, every video starts with zero, right? And then the next day your ad revenue is five cents. So now it's 0.05, you know, and and then it's just about the story of how to make a million dollars. And then if you could get enough community there, dude, everyone would be on board. Like, dude, let's see if this guy can do it. And then you'd be doing ad reads and it wouldn't be gross. It would be like, yeah, dude, he got an ad read. Like how much <laughs> right. did you make from that? You know, like that would be, that would be a way to change it. It'd be really cool. Yeah, no, it is. It is like the nature of the beast, obviously. And like, this is supported by sponsors and we do ad reads for them. But you know, when we, I feel like I have to defend us a little bit. Uh, when we do it, we always say like, when I tell brands, you know, the podcast ad reads, 
their brand awareness campaigns. They're just, we are just letting people know the people who listen to us every week that this brand supports us. So like next time you walk into REI and you're debating on, you know, the two products that are probably pretty much the same, you're going to choose the brand that supports us. And that's what we hope for. And that's like, you know, but it is, that's what I always say when people are, you know, they're ask us what skis should I buy? And I'm like, well, they're both good, you know, bikes. Okay. They're both specced the same. Look at the team. Look at who they're supporting. That's how you should make your decision when it comes down to like spec. Like, okay, they're both specced out. They're both six grand. Okay. Who do they support that you like? Who do they support that you don't like? It's a really easy way well, to make yeah, a decision. Yeah, that's yeah, a, it's a good way to put it. And and again, like you, your format, no, it's, 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 it's expected though, right? For right? sure. It's expected. And video, video is different. And then, uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're yeah. I always I, think I, of... I still do. I still do add, or, uh, I still do brand deals, but it's like, it's totally different. Um, and so my, my daughter, it's fine. uh, I do brand deals, but I, when I work in the contracts, it's, it's always like, I'm just going to do what I've always been doing and people are going to hit me up in the DMS and they're going to ask me about it, but I don't, I don't want to have to like do these ads uh, or do a post that's like hidden, you know what I mean? Where it's like, Oh, well, is this an ad? Is this not an ad? You know, like, uh, cause, cause again, my thing is value. I want to, I want to deliver value. And, um, so I have a couple brands that have really supported me for a long time. And, you know, that's, what's been just super amazing is have like four or five brands that basically put me on salary and, uh, you know, they let me just live in absolute. Well, they trust you. Yeah. They trust well, do Canyon, like Canyon, their trust with it, me, they've never once told me to edit one of the impossible routes and they don't see them until they're on YouTube. But that's so like, that's the perfect I mean, that's, relationship. Yeah, for sure. But like, it's so wild because like they're putting up so much money right. and they, they put out, they put out 60 grand a year just for impossible route, uh, you know, uh, affiliation. And that's just what those like four episodes. I mean, it's, it's, so that's a lot of money for them I mean, what if I just put up a video and it was just like a, a dildo flopping around on a table for an hour? Right. And they I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> got, it's like, too late. Like, but they, they wouldn't know, you know, and so like their trust is is so amazing. And the amount of creative freedom they give me has just been been really, really nice in, in an industry um, that sometimes goes away from that. Like we don't want creative freedom. We want you to say exactly what we want you to say. And because we know that works when we look at, you know, all this and I don't want to be like, well, I'm a special snowflake. I'm above that. But I, I feel like, but it's changed know, it's, and um, you know, yeah. I mean, we do the same thing. We know our audience. So like when we work with a brand and they're like, well, we wrote this script and we're like, yeah, but they're not the second I read that script, they're going to be like bullshit. Like no way is Adam saying that like not happening. And if we film something, they're like, no way. And then we're like, just, let us film something. We'll show you. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. If you hate it, then we won't post it. But like, trust us. And then sometimes you get a brand who's like, well, you know, if we have like two deliverables, like video wise, 
we'll do one of theirs and one of ours and then just show them the the insights yeah and you're like yeah see how yours bombed like you're hiring us because well you should be hiring us because you trust us because something sent your our content to you via your algorithm that's how you found us so like let us do it let it work so it is nice when you find that brand we like you have canyon we have fisher like fisher's keys has been they just trust us like we've built uh other, there's two adams here but other adam has built such a great relationship with fisher that like yeah they check in all the time they chat they communicate but it's not like a it's not a helicopter parent it's just they're just checking they just because they're friends and then they trust us on what we do and what we create. And that's what sells skis. That's what sells bikes. I mean, I'd love to see the number of Canyon bikes you've sold. Like no one really knows yeah, that number. Well, yeah. And, and they're kind of tight with those numbers because if I knew I would right. my, <laughs> it gives me a bargaining tool. You'd have uh, a retirement, it, you know, it's, <laughs> but yeah, we've, I mean, it's been, it's been good, but that's what I, ch I got a Canyon because I liked Canyon. I didn't do Canyon because they were the only ones that wanted to, to, to support me. Um, it was, it was what I wanted to ride. And, uh, and so then it's just, you know, it's, yeah, it's kind of super easy when, uh, when you dial it in the way you want, but, uh, th then you, you know, you hear about people doing insane money and you're like, well, shit, you know, like people, people doing millions a year, uh, sometimes I see other influencers, they're doing less than I am and making way more. And sometimes I feel like, ah, oh, dude, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? But I like, I have these pictures on my wall of all the impossible routes we've done and those experiences and, and the story that I told, like that is going to stay with me for my whole life, like on my deathbed, I am going to remember the impossible route as something that was, was like real and, and true, uh, versus if you're just spamming out like daily vlogs all the time, which is what YouTube encourages. And especially now with TikTok, dude, like they want you to make garbage every <laughs> single day, you know? And I, I, I don't want to do that. I just talked I just talked to a guest and um, he admittedly puts out what you would call garbage. Um, but he said, you know, he put it in really good terms. He said, I am the candy of the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. I am just a quick dopamine hit. I'm not made to last. I'm, you know, the Tootsie Roll. You unroll me, you eat it. Great. And you move on. And he's like, do I want to do that forever? No, <laughs> like it, it's not where you want to be forever, but it, it, I, I just thought it was a really good term for it. It's like, it's, that, that, that is actually really good. And then like, it, it, I, to me, I guess if you understand that and you're playing it as a business, like, okay, well, you know, what, what is the, what's the void? Well, people want, you know, a quick sugar hit. Uh, I think we can do that well, you know, and that, that's planned. Um, then, you know, I can, I can kind of respect that a little bit, but, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's like, dude, what is, I see what my daughter's watching and I'm like, 
it's what is this world like i just i and this is now it makes me so old where you know old people are like how do the kids do this these days (laughs) but like what did i just watch there is there is nothing here man like it's a a duck walking up ladder and then like an explosion and you're like what what what?" that was it It, yeah yeah and then then you just go on to the next thing but but either way, you know, um, uh, the thing about social media is that it there's no gatekeeper. And so what's so cool is that you can be anyone, anywhere, and if you have internet, you can be a millionaire, right? If you, if you do it right. <laughs> and, like, that's how it, it, it never used to be that way. Like, to be – like, I always think about this sometimes where, like, okay, Brad Pitt – you know, uh, George Clooney, these huge actors, everyone knows they're like nowhere near some of the top YouTubers in fame and fortune, which is insane. Yeah. And so then you're kind but they, they, but they're held as like, so respectable, like, Oh, they're, they're the popular ones. And it's like, yeah, but this, some random dude out of Ohio who streams him playing Fortnite actually has billions of views and is making millions of dollars in his room. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I don't know if it's good or bad. I, th- I think it's good. I think it's good because it, it allows people to, um, you know, to realize maybe a life that, that, that otherwise just wouldn't be able to, to achieve. But are you a gamer? I wish I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I did when I was young a lot. I played like Skyrim, Mass Effect. Um, I don't know any of those. You know, I am like the yeah. opposite of a gamer. Not like an, on an elitist platform. Like I don't. I just. I was always bad at it. I'm a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater guy, and I have a Switch, and I have Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. So when I'm on long plane rides, I can play Tony Hawk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really like video games a lot, uh, but for but when you start riding. It's it just not where my priority is. So I could spend six hours and, and I can't just play a game for 10 minutes. Like I, I if I get a game that I like, that, that's going to take over my life. It's gonna uh, and you. so, you know, I just don't have time. I just don't have, you know, the way to do it. And, and I've tried with my son. I was like, well, maybe me and him can play. And, and it's just like, man, I just can't get into it. Like I used to, um, I used to I used to bring the the our bed out into the living room and then hook it up to the big screen and then I would just play, you know, these RPG games for like twelve hours straight. <laughs> and That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it was. Were you a Final cool, Fantasy but... Seven guy? I feel like that was your era. No, I never got into that. Yeah, it was just like more, uh, like I said, uh, Mass Effect and and then the uh, the Skyrim series or Oblivion. Uh, so yeah. So I mean, maybe when I get older, uh, and and I am not riding as much, maybe uh, you know, is Mountain Dew vegan? Thing. You could just be like the vegan gamer and just chug Mountain Dew, Code Red, and dude, that you know. So okay, Mountain Dew. That's weird you say that because Mountain Dew has the uh, crazy amount of carbs. Oh um, yeah, per can, and so I I'm not a Mountain Dew fan, but I have been when I go to gas stations on rides. Like that's kind of been my go-to because, dude, it's just like the the amount of energy in a Mountain Dew is just unbelievable. Um, but I don't, and I think like, dude, 
do people drink this normally yeah you know like this is just rocket fuel uh that people are putting down and and you know i mean it's got dude it's got like 60 grams of carbs or something for like a little 12 ounce can it's uh it's insane that's my favorite part of talking to athletes who are like you know, you specifically, I think people hear vegan and they're like, oh, he must be so healthy. And, I'll, and I'm sure you are. But like when you talk to most athletes, it's like, what's in your bag? You're like, oh, when I get to the gas station, I open up a can of Mountain Dew and I chug a Snickers bar because you need those like just sugary hits sometimes. But I think I remember the first time I ever went on like a big ski tour, I had nothing but like cliff bars and like peanuts and like all these things that i and then i we got like midway and everyone stopped to snack and they pulled out like the dude pulled out like a frozen piece of pizza from his th- and i was like oh you just eat things that like one mentally make you happy but two you need the carbs you need the sugar i, I just love yeah. like hearing that yeah i mean i'm uh i would say i'm 95 healthy uh, you know, th- that's kind of my mantra. M- maybe even you could go 90%. Like, yeah, you can't be a hundred percent healthy a hundred percent of the time. Uh, to me, that's actually not healthy. Uh, For sure. because then, then you, then you bring in the the mental side. And so, um, like if you're, and, and I never tell people to go vegan, like that's, I'm not an activist about it. It just works really well for my life. Uh, it's not something I ever battle with or think about you know, people hear it and they go, you must be craving a burger, you know, or if we go to a barbecue, they're like, you must be just killing yourself. You want to eat it. And that's just not how it is at all. There's never any friction in my head about what I'm eating. And that's a big part of why I'm plant-based is that because it's in that box, I feel so less stressed about what I can and can't eat. I just know this is what I'm going to eat and, and I really like it. And, and we cook a lot. Um, and it's just, dude, it just works for me so well. Uh, but I, I don't ever tell people, you know, the, your health fitness journey is your own. And if you get there in 20 years, cool. If you get there in five, whatever, it's just about sustainability. 